0: Welcome, everybody, to our Sunday morning service. I love your energy, and uh, before we go into the message, thank you for letting us talk to you about your giving and finances. The fact of the matter is, and and if you don't know us yet and you don't really trust us yet to go there about money, then don't worry. You can just sit peacefully and don't worry about that. But for the rest of us, where we call this home, giving is the way together we are doing more in our city and in our world than we could do individually. So thank you for being a part of that. And with that said, I want to share a story with you guys. And we are talking about, in the we're in the last chapter of James and we're going to talk about prayer this morning. One of my favorite topics. So prepare yourself, check yourself. Here we go. Let me read this testimony to you. This is an amazing story. Uh, We, every Monday from one to three, we host a uh, a prayer meeting for anybody in our church to attend. Did you know that? Every Monday, one to three, at the chapel, you can show up and there'll be people there ready to pray for you. So let's overwhelm them tomorrow. (laughs) Let's just knock their socks off. Um, with our with our prayer requests. Listen to this. During the 2008 recession, this is a testimony of someone who had gone to these prayer meetings during one of the lowest moments in their life. Let this just encourage you. During the 2008 recession, we lost a lot. Our lives were hard, and I was in a long depression. I began to go to the Monday morning personal prayer, which has now moved to one to three. I went week after week, and they always had compassion and encouraged me to keep coming. Things kept getting worse overall. We lost our retirement savings in land deals, and it went down from there. The first mortgage was in my name, the second in my husband's. We were trying to get modifications on both to make things more affordable. But one day, the bank called my husband and a man who was very stern and even mean-spirited told him the bank was going to foreclose on the second mortgage, and that would foreclose the first. We had three days to pay back $135,000. Well, the prayer team was praying and praying. You know, you get into a moment like that, and it, sometimes prayer just doesn't feel like it has enough substance to it. It feels like you're throwing words in the air, and the weight and the, the concreteness of our need, the financial need, the weight of that person's phone call and their voice on that phone and their sternness feels heavier and more real than the promise of God to move on our behalf in prayer. You know what I mean? So there's this, here's this person, $135,000, sitting in their back. They begin praying with the prayer team. They're coming each week to pray about this issue because sometimes praying for something once is not enough. Well, the prayer team was praying and praying as well as they had been for me for well over a year, but God intervened. Two days later, my husband got a call from the same man, but this time his mood was different. Oh, surprise, surprise. He explained to my husband that somehow the bank had made a mistake in foreclosing the second mortgage. They couldn't change the mistake. The only thing they could do was extinguish the loan balance. (laughs) (laughs) Check that out. I mean, my husband asked him to explain, wait a minute, what do you mean extinguish? You know, I want to get that clear. He said they were taking the balance to zero. The papers arrived. By overnight mail, the next day and suddenly we did not owe anything on the second mortgage. Well, be encouraged, my friends. Listen, come on, be encouraged. We're going to go into prayer, and um, I want to open up with this story because unabashedly it inspires us into the power and effectiveness of prayer, and that's what James wants to do. And don't, don't think for a minute, I'm not aware that in this room, there are many disappointed prayers. There are moments and memories of things that we have prayed for, things that have meant the world to us that we have prayed for that we didn't see answered the way we had hoped. And we are still carrying that disappointment like a ball and chain. But this morning, James wants to stir our hearts with fresh faith, and he wants to free us from those lingering disappointments and doubts and stir our hearts and our imagination what God has committed himself and all of the resources of his omnipotence and all of heaven to do on behalf of those who trust him and pray. And now, I'm going to read the passage to you. So let's stand for the reading of God's word. Bring your disappointments, bring your doubts, bring your faith and encouragement, bring it all, bring your needs, bring your family, bring your loved one, bring your doubt, your debts, bring your, your pains and your sicknesses, bring it all. And let's bring it right now to God's word and ask that the Holy Spirit would conform our perspective to his wisdom that is from above. All right, you ready for this? Is anyone among you in trouble? Can I get a raise of hands? Anyone in trouble? <laughs> I'm serious. Anyone in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Can I get a raise? Anyone happy? All right now. Let them sing songs of praise. Praise is singing your prayer, if you didn't know. Is anyone among you sick? Raise your hands. If you're sick, you, got, you know someone you love is sick. Raise your hand. Come on. I, I, it'd be good to see. It's good for us to see what's going on around us. Okay. Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Anyone got sin in their life? Anyone here have any sin? (laughs) Everyone's all, uh, yeah. (laughs) Well done, well done. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer, here's our memory verse. Here's our thematic verse. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even... As we are, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if any one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord to you. You may be seated there are seven direct references to prayer in this passage between verses 13 to 18 now we are not only hearing God's word in the morning but we're learning how to study God's word and so I'm going to point out to you how we study God's word and when you see repetitions of words or concepts you know this is the focus of the writer to us this is where he wants to draw our attention to prayer seven times hold on to that. Number seven, there's a fun little uh, symbolic parallelism we'll see later. Now, this passage wants to stir our faith about how practically effective prayer can be in our life. That's the thrust of what James wants to communicate, because he's been talking about really practical things up to now. He's been talking about The practical needs of the poor in our midst, when we're facing evil in the world last week that feels overwhelming and we're tempted to be discouraged and feel like there's nothing we can do in the face of all the corruption and injustice in the world, now James is bringing us to the most important thing he has to say to us in his entire letter. The most practical and important thing he can say to us is what he has to say to us about prayer. And if there is one thing that James wants to instill deep in our soul, it is this. Let's go to the screen. It's this right here. It's this singular, profound, crystalline idea right here. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let's just read this together out loud. You ready? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective So we're going to unpack that. There's three words. We're going to talk about prayer and the purpose of prayer. Number two, we're going to talk about this righteous person, the person who has power in prayer. That's what we're going to talk about. And number three, what kind of power is James talking about, right? The purpose, the person, and the power of prayer. Let's start with purpose. What is the purpose of prayer? How would you explain that in your own words? Hmm? What's that? Yeah, there we go. It's a racial, she said talking to God. Hey, what's up chapel people, tent people, I always forget them, tent people, online people. She said, it's talking to God. And that's right, prayer is relational conversation. And what James is showing us here is that that relational conversation is a conversation that is, is an access to God and his unlimited resources, We should understand that about prayer. Prayer is relational conversation. It is access to God and his unlimited resources. Now, the purpose of prayer, James in chapter four, verse eight, says this. Number one, purpose of prayer. Come near to God, he says in verse eight, and he will come near to you. So prayer is about coming near to God, and prayer is about coming into the presence of God and experiencing him coming near to you. Now, what that means is that you are as close to God as you want to be. Think about that. The promise of God is if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Not everybody in life that we draw near to or seek to be close to wants to be close to us. I've got numerous crash and burns in my dating life to attest to that fact. And yet, God's promise to you is, if you want to be close to me, God is saying, then draw near to me, and I will absolutely draw near to you. With, the, with more certainty than you have, that tomorrow when you get up, the sun's going to rise, you can be assured that if you draw near to God in prayer, He is going to begin drawing near to you, and you're going to experience God's presence in your life in greater measure. Prayer unites us and unites our will with God's will. That's part of what we mean by God's presence. It's not just an experience, an emotional experience of his nearness. Oh my gosh, that feels good. Oh, that, that, that is there. Believe you me, I've had experiences with God in prayer where I couldn't even lift my eyes because I was so overwhelmed by the sheer weight of God's presence that was in my room in that moment. I just like, God... I can't even look up. I'm just so overwhelmed by you. The way that I felt when my wife walked down the aisle on our wedding day, it was hard to even look at her because she was so radiant. And it was so overwhelming. I just couldn't even stand to look at her because she was just so beautiful. Yeah, it's like that with God sometimes. But more than that, actually... It's uniting our will with his will. It's connecting with the will of God and becoming clear about his will in our life. Now listen, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he taught them to begin with these words. Look at the screen. This is how he teaches us to pray, and it begins here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy or amazing or awesome. How awesome is your name. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So prayer is about discovering and surrendering ourself to God's will. When you pray, you are on a journey of discovering and experiencing and surrendering your life to him and his will. Now, in case you have any doubts about God's will when you're praying to God, and do you really want God's will? because you know what? I love my wife, but I'm not sure I always want her will in my situation. Are you with me? That can be a huge challenge in a marriage. Do I, I love you. You're beautiful. I don't know if your will is what, it's really what I want right now. And usually I'm actually wrong and she's right. And it is, well, the same with, with God, even more so. And if you're not sure about his will, James wants to be very clear with us, what it kind of looks like for God's will to show up. And so in verses 13 to 14, he talks about what does God's will look like on earth as it is in heaven? It looks like healing. It looks like forgiveness. That's what it looks like. It looks like salvation. People who are far from me are discovering my love for them and they're coming back to me That's what God's will looks like on earth. Verses 13 to 14, he outlines that. If you're not sure, if you're worried that maybe it's not the best outcome in your life in any given moment, he's like, can you argue? Do you want to argue with healing? Do you want to argue with forgiveness? Do you want to argue with people coming home into the Father's love? Come on now. No, we don't. Now, prayer is God's chosen means to bring heaven to earth. Prayer is the way, the conduit through which he exercises his will. That has to do with the fact that you're made in his image. Now, some people get confused about prayer. Why is God wanting me to pray when he can just do it? And you'll find plenty of examples in the Bible where God wants to do something and he's like, hey, Elijah, go do this. And He's like, okay, there's a great story in the New Testament. He tells Ananias, Ananias, go pray for Saul, who's been blinded. This will become the great apostle Paul. He's said, go pray for him. So he'll be healed. And you can kind of wonder, why doesn't he just go do it himself? Is it because God doesn't exist? And so really, this is the big kind of Make believe mythology thing? It's our way of justifying the fact that there is no God and we just have to go do it ourselves? Well, our cynicism can tell us that. Is it because God doesn't have enough strength or power and He needs our help? Without us, gosh, God just can't quite get the job done. Why does God want us to pray for His will to be done? You got to understand it's because you were made in His image, you're His Son. And your life is incomplete apart from your life aligning with the exercising of his will. And when you are living out God's will in your life, it is the most fulfilling, satisfying thing your life could ever accomplish. I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. You were made to manifest God's will on earth as his son and daughter. And that is a beautiful thing. That's just the way God created us to operate in his creation. Now listen, at its core, prayer is about submitting to God's will. Okay, you with me on that? Prayer is about submitting to his will. Okay, God, you want to heal. You want to forgive. You want people to know you. And in every little situation where prayer helps us discover his specific will for that moment, there's his general will, he desires that none should perish, but we're praying for God to align us with his specific will in a moment. How it's gonna get worked out in a particular case. Okay, we have our general will. Yes, son, I want you to go feel free to drive the car. You've got a license, go drive it. It is my will that you go drive your brother to practice, but my will specifically is not that you speed at 80 miles an hour to get there. Are you with me? There's general and specific and prayer is where we are enabled to submit to that will, where it's humbling. Listen to this, James 4, submit yourselves then to God because it takes humility to pray. When you're facing debt and you're facing a call from the bank, we're gonna foreclose you. When you're facing circumstances in your life that feel immediate, impending, and overwhelming, it takes humility to say, okay, God, before I run around like Chicken Little with my head cut off and try to solve it by myself, I'm just gonna just stop. I'm gonna gonna humble myself and I'm just gonna pray. And then that dreadful silence fills the room and then it's all quiet and still and the awareness that there's nothing in your power sufficient enough to accomplish God's will starts to overwhelm you. You with me? You get in that prayer place. It's not about what you're saying. It's not about what you're doing in the world. It's not about your degrees. It's just about you quieting yourself in a posture of humility. God, it's all you, God. You're going to do something. My faith is in you to do what I can't do. doesn't mean he's not going to work through you. But it means you're acknowledging God. Ultimately, it's you. It's humbling. And our pride resists that humility. That's why it's hard to pray. Not because it's boring, because it's humbling. And in our nature, our sinful nature, we resist that humility. Because we're all about what we can get done. Now, listen, look at this great moment right here, Mark. Abba, Father, he said, Jesus said, everything it's possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will. Look what Jesus prays here, but what you will. Right there, come on. That is That right there is the heart of prayer. But it's in prayer that we get to that place where we're trusting and surrendering to his timing. We're trusting his purpose. Think of Jonah, not them, God. Jonah didn't want mercy for the Ninevites, you ever been there in prayer where God's like, I want you to pray for that person? Not that person, God. Can I pray some, some judgment on them? No. <laughs> Can I pray for fire to come down? And... No, no. <laughs> ever been there? All right. Not my will, but your will. Now, secondly, the person who has power in prayer. That's about the purpose of prayer. It's about aligning ourselves with God's will. And then secondly, who is the person who has power in prayer? And now James qualifies that it's the righteous person who has power in prayer. So that's it, guys. You just need to be righteous. Does that solve it for you? Are you good to go? All right, let's move on to the third one. No, it doesn't. Because why? I don't know that a lot of us, when you read that, you don't, uh, I'm not righteous. Are you with me? I don't know about you, but often in prayer, I feel like I am so unrighteous. I, I, there's so many, I'm so aware of my imperfections. Who am I? that God would listen to me. Can you you relate to that? And so we got to understand what he means by righteous. Now, James actually is going to tell us, we don't need to go to Paul. We can go right to James himself, chapter 2, 24. He says this, look at this. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, not by faith alone you with me? That's what James is saying. This is James' point. Who is the righteous person? What is James saying? The person who is devoted to doing God's will. That's what he's saying. He's not saying the person who always perfectly does God's will. He's not saying the person who never makes a mistake, the person who's got it all figured out. No, he's saying it's the person who has devoted themselves. Devotion does not mean you're perfect, by the way. means you're willing to fall down, get up. You're willing to struggle through it. You're willing to press on. You're willing to allow your life to change around whatever God's will is. But listen, it is someone who's devoted to doing God's will, even when it's hard, even when there are doubts and there is discouragement. You're saying, God, I want to do your will, God. So there's a relationship between our power in prayer and our willingness to be a part of what God might do through that prayer. I'll give you a quick example. Um, we were praying for healing at the USC campus that people would experience God and know, no, 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 I got a better story. I was walking with my wife on the beach in Cardiff. Better story, better story. This is a great one. We were walking on the beach in Cardiff, and we were just praying, and my wife notices this woman up by herself. I didn't even notice this woman, but my wife did, and we're praying, and she starts praying for this woman. God, I pray that that woman would experience your love today and would know that you love her. And I'm like, what woman? And I just see this woman up by the the cliff, knees pulled into her chest, head buried down in her knees. And it was just the Spirit of God. It was just a God thing. I'm not usually this quick on my feet. I just looked at her, and I said, I think God wants you to be an answer to your prayer. And she just gives me that look like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> mm. Oh, no, you did not. She just looks at me and she's like, let me think about it. So we start walking back and forth, pacing about 10 yards from this woman for about you know seven minutes. And I'm like, babe, you know, I mean, we're gonna do this or not, you know? And this is, you know, my wife has many strengths, more way more than I do. But one of my natural abilities is I'm comfortable with people I don't know. So I'm like, I'll go up and start the conversation. But God's given you something to say, I think, because you He led you to pray for her. She's like, okay. We walk up. I say, hey, excuse me, um, sorry to interrupt you, but we were praying, and we just felt God gave, you know, put you on our hearts to pray. We just noticed you. Can we? just give you a word of encouragement and my wife just shared some things with her that were personal that somehow hit a chord with a stranger we'd never met before and she just started sobbing and this huge smile just crossed her face and she all she could say was thank you and uh, we both were, my wife was a little bit uncomfortable. I was a little uncomfortable because, like, oh, this is not our normal thing. So we just kind of said, okay, God bless you. And we just left, you know. <laughs> so we didn't, we weren't amazing. We didn't have some, you know, amazing moment beyond that. But it, it, it illustrates the point there that God is committed to move powerfully through our prayers when we're prepared to live it out and do something about it. Okay. So that's why James goes to Elijah. Elijah's an example of a righteous person. You'll see why. Uh, Verse 17, Elijah, James says, was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So I want to draw two insights about Elijah's example that James uses for us to draw from. Number one, he, he makes the point that Elijah was a human being. Yeah, no doubt. What else could he be? A cyborg, you know, like Terminator? What, what else could he be? But he's emphasizing the imperfection of the person who is wielding this amazing power. He's like, he was flesh and blood like us, imperfect with faults and doubts, just like us. And certainly Elijah was. He was an imperfect person, and he did get discouraged. I don't know if you know this, but after he prays for rain to come, he's thinking now there's going to be this national revival awakening. He's feeling pretty good about himself. Woo! I'm moving in power. I'm in the flow today, you know. And then Queen Jezebel gets upset and puts a bounty on his head. And rather than people turning to God, people turn against him. And he gets so discouraged, he literally goes and does what dudes love to do. He goes into his man cave, and he throws a pity party for himself. (laughs) He goes off into the desert, finds a tree, and just starts whining about how miserable his life is. Yeah, not um, this amazing pillar of example for all of us. He was a human being. He got discouraged. He didn't always see what he was praying for work out the way that he thought in the timing that he hoped. And yet, for that reason, James is like, he's a good example for us. And secondly, look at this. He goes, um, he prayed earnestly. He prayed earnestly. What does it mean to pray earnestly, guys? What does that mean to you? I'd love for you to turn in pairs and just share, what does it mean to pray earnestly Just, I'm gonna give you 15 seconds. What do you think? Go for it. Come on, just share one thing. What do you think it means? To pray earnestly, think about it for a second. What does it mean? If you go back to the story with Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17 to 18, in chapter 18, he's praying for the rain to come. And so what he does is he prays the first time and sends his servant out. Go see if you see rain coming yet. And it is like this morning, not a cloud in the sky. He's like, sweet, God's moving. <laughs> he prays a second time. He sends his servant out, nope, still nothing. A third time he sends his servant out, and what? Nothing. A fourth time he prays, sends his servant out, and guess what he finds? Goose egg, nada. A fifth time he prays again, and he sends his servant out, and what does he find? Still nothing. Come on now, what does he find? nothing. He prays a sixth time, finally. Come on. Have you ever been there? Are you there right now? Are you there right now? I'm, I'm, I'm being playful about it, but in all honesty, when we find ourselves praying for something where it feels like everything is on the line, and we have prayed the third or fourth time and nothing is happening, it is discouraging. And it our faith. And that's why James has been talking about perseverance and patience last week. We can't run roughshod over the humility and the patience and the perseverance that we need as followers of Jesus because if you, don't have patience, if you don't have humility, you're not going to be patient. And if you don't have patience, you're not going to persevere. And if you're not persevering, there are prayers that do go unanswered because we just don't stay with it long enough. All right? Sometimes you got to stay with something a little bit. No, no, don't get me wrong. Sometimes you just need to let it go. But sometimes you got to stay with it. That's what the emphasis here is on with, with Elijah. The sixth The seventh time he prays. On the seventh, there was a small cloud as small as a man's hand rising. So he prays six times, nothing. It's on the seventh. I think it's fascinating that James mentions prayer seven times in verses 13 to 18. I don't know. Maybe he was being tricky like that. I don't know. But seven times. You got to stick with it. I'll tell you, I went to my wife, you know, just a girl I was attracted to on Valentine's Day. I brought her a Valentine's and she was less than thrilled about it. It was a moment where I was letting her know I'd like there to be a little bit more than friends here. And I just thought I would let her know. And her initial reaction was not, hey, I'm interested in you too. It was kind of awkward. I see. I see. Ooh. Kind of like, <laughs> ah, thank you. And I'm looking at her like, (laughs) I go, well, you know, uh, it was just, these chocolates were given to me at church because I volunteer. I just, it was for free anyways. (laughs) I just thought you might like them. I'm trying to mitigate the awkwardness. I'm not that into you either. Don't worry. She was not that into me. I could tell. And I walked away pretty discouraged. And I said, that's it. I'm done. Over. Hey God, I'll pray this one time. I'm done. That's done. Dunzo's God. I'm not going to go and make a fool of myself anymore. <laughs> you know, in all honesty, sometimes we don't persevere in prayer because we're afraid. We're afraid that we're gonna discover God doesn't care, God is not real, that or quite frankly, we have we have better options than ourselves. Well, I'll just go handle it myself. So seven times he prayed. Well, obviously you know I persevered, you know, with Stacy. And things worked out. <laughs> Our will is always, listen, guys, our will is always sooner is better than later, and bigger is better than smaller. Are you with me? That's our will. Sometimes God moves that way. Sometimes it is sooner. Sometimes it is bigger. But our will problem is we are always in fourth gear. It is always bigger and sooner. And sometimes God's got a better way to pray earnestly. is not about mustering emotion. Earnestly praying is about persevering and being patient in prayer until God's will is done. And the righteous are willing to let their will and their expectations die so that their hope in what God's will is can rise. Because in the waiting, your expectations have got to die so that your expectancy in God's will can rise because his will is always going to be better. It's always going to be better. 100% of the time it's better, even when it makes no sense to us, even when it's praying for my friend Jen to get through cancer. I prayed for her, I prayed for her so hard, and I poured out my heart in prayer for her. This side of heaven, the goodness and perfection of God's will is hidden to me. But knowing that Jesus rose from the dead, my hope is hidden in Christ until the resurrection And that's how I find my comfort. It's in knowing that in the end, God's will was perfect for her and her family. And I just have to wait and trust in God because you're not going to understand everything about God's will this side of heaven. It's not always going to make sense. And sometimes things happen that are not pleasing to God because God doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone in sickness. He doesn't want evil and sin in the world. And we don't always understand why God allows things to be as they are. And the only thing we can do is trust that this side of heaven, God's will is still being worked out in mysterious ways. And we're waiting for Jesus to return where God's will will be perfectly fulfilled on earth as it is in heaven. But in the meantime, we trust and we wait on God. Lastly, what kind of power is James talking about? this is it. Elijah was able to persevere in prayer until God's power poured down because he had wisdom about what God wanted. Check this out. 1 Kings 18.1. Look at this. This is a fascinating thing. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. God's wisdom from above prepares us for God's power from above. Elijah wasn't convincing God to send the rain. Prayer is where Elijah was being convinced that God wanted to bring the rain. Do you see that right there? Look at that right here. I will send rain on the land. Prayer is where you are discovering and aligning with what God wants to do. So listen, does our prayer, does our prayer move us or does it move God? The answer is both. Both. I want to invite the band to come on out. Listen, prayer is the place where our will is transformed towards God's will. As your will is being conformed to God's will, you are the kind of person that God can entrust his power. You are becoming the kind of person that God can entrust his power to. Listen to what James has been saying about God's will up to now. His, God's will in James 113 is to overcome temptation and evil desires. God's will is for us to be slow to speak and slow to anger. James 119. James 1:27: God's will is for us to care for the orphan, the widow and the vulnerable. Do you see where this is going? Prayer is where that will is taking form in our heart and character. That's the kind of person God can trust his power with. To use our words to encourage and never to tear down. To choose humility over arrogance and to resist greed patiently in hope of Jesus' return. James 5.8. That is the kind of person God can entrust power to. As we go into this song, prayer makes us trustworthy of his power. Where are you longing for a manifestation of God's power in your life or the life of a loved one? It could be in your life, your children, a neighbor. God wants to entrust his power to you. Where is that place that God's been getting your attention so that He can bring His will to earth as it is in heaven? Let's take a moment and reflect. All right? What does it look like for you this week to open yourself to God's will and power working more in your life, in the life of your family, your neighbors? Your debts. Before we go, I want to just give you three simple things that you could do that might help you grow in prayer this week. Number one, tomorrow from 1 to 3 in the chapel, we're going to have it open for prayer. So if you want to come get prayer, whatever it is, come and get it. Trust me. If all you guys show up, we'll be able to handle it. So 1 to 3 p.m. at the chapel, join us and come and receive prayer for whatever's need you see in your life, or maybe there's someone you're praying for, and the the weight of that need is getting heavy for you, then bring it with yourself. Bring it with you and bring it to the prayer team. Number two, this week I wanna encourage you if, to do a challenge. Every day this week, pray for at least one person. Okay, I just wanna challenge you to consider a prayer challenge that every day over the next seven days you're going to ask one person hey you know what I'm trying to practice praying for people Is there if there was one thing you would like God to do in your life what would it be hey is there one thing I could just pray for for you try it with people you're familiar with at first on Monday and Tuesday start with maybe a family member a friend But then I think by Wednesday, a teammate, a coworker, a neighbor, and maybe by Friday or Saturday, a stranger, someone you really don't know at all. Someone at the grocery store, you know, someone that you're just passing and say, hey, you know what, I just, I was praying and I just want to know, is there anything that I could pray for for you? You know, worst they're gonna do is say, hey, get away from me, weirdo, and walk away. (laughs) And you're gonna be fine, you're gonna be fine, you're gonna live. So if you wanna do that, challenge. That second one, raise your hand. I wanna pray some boldness over you. Come on now. If you're gonna go for it, if you're not sure yet, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't you need to prove anything to anybody else. This is between you and the Lord, all right. Lord, I just pray for those who wanna take this step, give them boldness this week. And I pray that God, this week, we would see you moving in ways that we didn't expect. God, don't help us not be discouraged when things don't go the way we thought. Help us to trust you and be patient. You're moving in ways we can't always see. So God, I pray for a release of supernatural boldness, love, and humility this week in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a good week. Come on up and get prayer if you need it. We got a prayer team up here. And we're ready to anoint you with oil. Come on up.